0: Uh, We're carrying on with this series that Pastor Matt began last week. The power of don't. Um, Pastor Matt looked at do not fear. He looked at do not be overcome. Don't fear and don't be overcome. Church, we know that the word of God guides us. It gives us direction. And when it comes to what we deal with in life, there are times it speaks specifically um, about some things it is uh there's there's other things that it'll speak more generally about but what is clear that is that there are things we should do and things that we shouldn't do according to scripture and i remember um when when i saw this title for our series it it took me back to when i first sort of started coming to the youth here in living hope and um I remember, I don't know whether I was saved yet or it was maybe just before that, but it was really, really early in my time here. And, and what happened was we had a panel of the leaders, um, which you could ask questions to. So I remember asking the question uh, to one of the leaders. I said to them, people talk about becoming a christian as being set free or or you know you have freedom when you become a christian but if that's true then why do you have all these rules or why does it feel like it's so restrictive so i'd asked this question obviously i was a very deep thinking 15 year old so i asked the question and uh the leader came back to me with a really good response that that stuck stuck with me and it made me think of this series and the power of don't and it's not about restricting us or telling us necessarily what we cannot do it's about the freedom from the things that scripture says we are to avoid it's not about restraining us it is about freeing us from the things that would harm us that's what that's what scripture does what the Word of God does what the Holy Spirit within us does it actually gives us freedom. It's not not about just simply telling us what we can and cannot do. It's about freeing us from the things that would harm us and leading us to to things that would help us to prosper in our walk with God. So today we look at don't be deceived and the scripture we'll look at is um, from 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and it's verses 30 to 34. It says this, why are we in danger every hour? I face death every day as surely as I may boast about you brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus our Lord. If I fought wild beasts in Ephesus as a mere man, uh, what good did that do me? If the dead are not raised, let us eat and drink for tomorrow we die. Do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. Come to your senses and stop sinning. For some people are ignorant about God. I say this to your shame. Church, let's pray as we begin to study God's word together. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for the truth that that we have in front of us. Thank you for the access that we have to it, God. We pray that today through your Holy Spirit, would you speak to each one of us and let us hear exactly what it is that you need us to hear to become more like your son, Jesus. Lord, would would each of us receive what it is that you're revealing to us through your word? God, thank you for your word. And thank you, Lord, that today as as we would gather around it, God, that, that you would bless us. And Lord, we thank you for the blessing that it is to be gathered under the name of Jesus Christ. It's in your son's holy and precious name that we pray. Amen. So in this part of 1 Corinthians, uh, Paul the writer is describing what it means for the believer if there is no resurrection at all. So if there's no resurrection at all, and he's doing this because this idea had crept in to the church, um, this, this belief ideology, the, the believers aren't truly resurrected after they die. And at a group of believers within the church um, they had either believed false teaching around this or they had blended Christian ideas with the philosophies of their day. Either they believed life completely ends in death, and again this is people within the church, they believed that that life ends completely in death. Or more likely, they thought the human spirit continues into the afterlife without a body of any kind. So Paul writes this chapter to correct their thinking and he wants to teach about resurrection from the dead and what that means for those who are found in Christ. What does that mean for those who are born again? What is resurrection? If there is no resurrection at all, which these people are saying, which is what is being spread throughout the church, if there 's no resurrection at all, then that includes that of Christ. that means that Christ had not raised from the dead either um, so so this is what they are, they're learning and being taught. It means that he too was never raised from the dead. But if Christ wasn't raised from the dead, then what is Paul giving his life to here? That's what he, that's what he says at the start there. Why, why, why are we in danger every hour? Like Paul faces death consistently. He faces imprisonment and within his lifetime and serving the gospel, why would he do this to no end? What what would be the point? There wouldn't be a point. It would be pointless. If Christ wasn't raised from the dead, then proclaiming the gospel would be pointless. It wouldn't make sense. But Christ was raised from the dead and so Paul's preaching is not pointless but actually because Christ is raised from the dead his teaching and preaching is completely necessary how he served the church is entirely fundamental because Christ was raised from the dead so do you see what we're saying here if if Christ isn't raised from the dead then none of it matters but if he has raised from the dead then all of it is actually fundamental. What he is saying here is completely fundamental. And what, and, and, and what would seem to be true as we would read these words? Well, well, what is true is that truth must always prevail. And Paul, he may be quoting a popular phrase of the day here when he says, bad company ruins good morals. insofar so far as it's being used here, that's the sentiment. That Paul is endorsing. That's what he's saying. Bad company corrupts good morals. Or bad company ruins good morals. Good character. Whatever version that you read. They'll say something along those lines. So I just want to simply give us six things this morning. And there is so much outside of this. We always encourage you to to, to read God's word for yourself. Consume it. and And know what it is. To, to be devoted to God's word yourself. But I just, I want to do what we can with the time that we have to simply help in how to avoid bad company and how to remain in Him. And the first thing is to do not deny a truth because it is difficult. Sometimes sharing the truth is hard, it's difficult for you to say. It might be uncomfortable for you to share something that you know to be true. It's definitely uncomfortable for those who believe differently to hear it. Sharing the truth is difficult, but don't deny truth because it is difficult. I shared this on the 15th anniversary of the church here. that circumstances, feelings and societal opinions have no bearing on truth the what 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 is going on today has no bearing on fundamental truth and this passage urges those in those in the church who deny um resurrection to accept what is true and today people deny truth because of how it makes them feel there 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 has become this accepted norm that there is your truth and there is my truth But church, there is most absolutely fundamental truth. It's not a case of your truth and my truth. There is fundamental truth. We have been given God's word that is true. Christ himself is the way, the truth, and the life. There is absolutely fundamental truth. And people can deny truth, true things, all that they want. It does not stop truth from being truth. You actually have people that say, um, say today there's an ideology going around that there is there is absolutely no truth. Because what might be true to you is not true to somebody else. And well that's that's a paradox because if you're saying that there is absolutely no truth, that in and of itself is a truth. Do you understand what I'm saying? Sure, it might not. Maybe I'm using the word truth too much and now. You're like, it's not a real word, it is truth. But just before the passage we have read, Paul gives a list of those Christ appeared to after he was dead. And, and um, I'll, I'll share these verses with you there in chapter 15. But church, I want you to know that, that we too can use this in defense of our faith. In defense of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And let me read 1 Corinthians 15. This is verses 5 to 8. Again, those Christ appeared to after he had died. And that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. Then he appeared to over 500 brothers and sisters at one time. Most of them are still alive. Hear that church? Most of them are still alive. But some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James. Then to all the apostles. Last of all. As to one born at the wrong time. He also appeared to me. So what the, what the Word of God is telling us there, what Paul is telling the church, and again, what we can use in our defense of the gospel, is the fundamental truth that Jesus Christ lived, that he died, and that he rose again. How do we know that he rose again? What is Paul using as his defense here? You saw it. There was, there's people, they are still alive. Most of them are still alive. They saw him. They saw him hang on the cross. They saw him breathe his last. And then they saw him alive. Those two things don't add up. They don't go together unless Christ had raised from the dead. And listen, the words that we're reading, the words that that we read there, the words that I've shared with you, most of them are still alive. Church, if that's not true, then this doesn't go any further. This teaching, what Paul's doing, it can't go any further. Because if most of them are still alive and have seen the resurrection and Paul's just talking nonsense, then they're saying, here, hang on, I never saw Jesus. But they don't do that don 't so this does go further and and as it does, the truth carries with us as believers today to defend that Jesus Christ did indeed live, die, and rise again from the dead and if all that if all of that is true, then what we have here is fundamental truth. church do not deny a truth because it is difficult, and second. Be aware this is probably where that do not deceived part comes into it it's maybe where it's most applicable be, aware, be aware, um, to be aware to be the be aware of any deception Paul is teaching to he is teaching those who are deceiving he is teaching those who are doing the teaching but he's also teaching those who are being deceived he is teaching those who are receiving the message as well. So he's speaking to all of them. And what we need to remember again is this is the church. These are believers. The saying that Paul is sharing with them here, bad company corrupts good morals, good character, ruins good morals, good character. That means that people who were on track, people who were doing well, who were were faithful to to what they believed and lived it out, people who were living righteously, they were being led astray. They, those, those those with good morals, as Paul describes it, those of good character, they are the ones that are being corrupted. So church, be on your guard. We need to identify anything and anyone that could look to lead us in the wrong way. Even little things, what we see as small sins, insignificant beliefs, those things that we're like, "Oh, it's fine, that's, you know, that's, not, that's not divisive, or, or, or we use that phrase here quite a lot, it'll do no harm, that's a lie. That's a lie. What, what we categorise as small sin that we allow to creep in to our lives. We continue and we continue. And what happens is there comes a separation. Between how we are supposed to live. Between us and God. Do not let these seemingly insignificant things corrupt good morals. Good character. Church be aware. The enemy knows that one of the most effective ways to corrupt our morals is through the company that we keep. The world tries to convince us that we can resist anything that is negative. But do not be deceived. Instead, be aware. And don't give yourself too much credit. So many people do this, I think. I think uh, sometimes we are all in danger of it, thinking, I'll be all right. I know what I believe I'm I'm still going it's not going to stop me coming the godliest of men and women have been on their knees crying before God because they have been led to sin and actually some haven't even done that I'm sure you can think of people if you have been on this journey a little while I'm sure you can think of people that you sap aside and that were they were so here do you know what i mean like they were they were so involved and and they just seemed to have it so right and so together and yet these little things they they cause a separation and you have people leave and walk away willpower I don't want to rely on my own strength. We shouldn't try to do that. Why would we? I don't want to rely on willpower. I'd rather be within the power of his will. And Paul writes these verses just before the words that we read there at the start he says in first Corinthians 5:11. but actually I wrote you not to associate with anyone who claims to be a brother or sister and is sexually immoral or greedy an idolater or verbally abusive a drunkard or a swindler do not even eat with such a person church that's heavy those words are heavy But it was always Paul's advice. You read Paul's advice to the church. His teaching. Anything that will lead you astray. You flee. If it's going to lead you to sin. You flee. You leave them behind. And you leave them where you are. And do not be corrupted. Do not be ruined. Leave it alone. Don't be damaged. Don't be corrupted. The church. Be aware. Number three. Surround yourself With godly influences We should actively seek out friends Mentors fellow believers who encourage us in our walk and this is a biblical truth We find in proverbs 13 and verse 20 the one who walks with the wise will become wise But a companion of fools fools will suffer harm and do you know what? I understand that sometimes it's hard it's it's hard at the beginning to spend time with those people that I'm talking about. Those people who who truly would be really good influences, those people who who really are um, who really are faithful and, and disciplined. Sometimes at at the beginning it can be difficult to spend time with those people and it's it's because of an inferiority. We sort of feel like, I, I couldn't do what they do, I can't, I can't reach that level, I'm, I'm, I, I'm only me. There's no way I could remember, they know their Bible so well. And they go to every single meeting and, and, and I, I couldn't do that. And, and, and again, it's like we create this little separation in our mind of, of us and them. But what I want you to know and understand about those people and those influences is just how they got to where they are. And it was pushing through what you are experiencing. And it was making sure that they spend time with people who knew better and who had been on the road longer and who were good and godly influences. This is is how we stay on track. By surrounding ourselves with those who are wise and not with fools. Church, surround yourself with godly influences. And number four, be in the world, but not of the world. It says in John 17, verses 15 to 17, I am not praying that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. Again, church, we read that, that the word is truth. And and believe what is being said here, that, that we are not of this world, but we are called to impact this world. So impact the world. Don't let the world impact you. As followers of Jesus, we're called to be salt and light in this world. So we are to be in it. We just aren't to be of it. So we're not called to isolate ourselves from the world. That does not make sense. We cannot influence if we do that. But we are to be separate. We're to look different. We're to, we're to walk as salt light we are to walk our callings we can't fulfill our purpose if we allow the world to corrupt us we need to be the ones who make an impact rather than compromising our beliefs and adopting to the ways of the world we are different we are separate and we are called to make an impact in the world but don't don't let it come the other way around don't let it reverse and church, can I encourage you to consistently pray? Consistently pray. And I think the posture of prayer is sometimes where we get caught up in this. And thinking that praying looks a specific way. That it's on our knees, beside our bed, once a day, twice a day, whatever, whatever that looks like. We, we get caught up in the posture of prayer and we forget that prayer is supposed to be a walk. It's supposed to be consistent in all things. Be in constant conversation. And why wouldn't you? When we think of this, this is a quote from Charles Spurgeon. It says, true prayer is neither a mere mental exercise nor a vocal performance it is far deeper than that it is spiritual transaction with the creator of heaven and earth church i know that some things get some people some things catch some people differently than they do others but but that just catches me see see, knowing Reading the word of God and, and, and then hearing words like that and knowing that, that when I pray, it's to the one who holds it all together. It's, to the, it's, it's the one who began all of this and who is the beginning and who is the end and, and who does influence and, and who, who, who breathes life into my lungs. And yet somehow manages to hold things up in their place. And he does it for hundreds and thousands of years. And he does. It, 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 it fascinates me. It blows my mind. And, and I also just don't get it. And what I mean is like well, sometimes why me? I, it's such a privilege to me. It's such a privilege to me that I, can, that I can converse at any stage with the one who created and sustains all things. And, and I say why me and, and, and do you know what, it's, it's nothing to do with me, it's all to do with him. God is so gracious and he's so kind. And why wouldn't you be in constant conversation? Why wouldn't you be in consistent prayer? Pray for strength. Pray for discernment. Keep company with God as you battle against bad company. Remember that you do not fight alone and that you should continually seek the wisdom of God. Ask the Holy Spirit to grant you the strength to make righteous choices and to resist bad company. And finally, church, Let your light shine. In Matthew 5 and 16, it says, In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Be, for lack of a better term, be the influencer. As we walk closely with God, we maintain A relationship with God we inspire those around us to seek after him too and his righteousness and all these things our lives become a testimony of God's power and it draws others toward Christ be that one let your light shine before others be the one to help people see the glory of God that they may see your good works and give glory in heaven. We can't take glory for ourselves. We can't boast in anything. Who am I but a child of God? But a child of God. And maybe today, as we said at the start, we've, we've had a lot of people in who, who maybe aren't always here and not always a part of this. And maybe this isn't something that you've ever done before. Maybe this isn't isn't where you've ever been before. But I encourage you that we don't believe that you're here by chance. We believe that you're here on purpose. And and the, the things that we talk about today. Not being deceived. Leaving behind certain things and certain people. What God wants to offer you. Is new life you can have new life in him you can leave behind everything that you were before and you can have a new life in God and it's as simple as this understanding fundamentally that we are sinners and we are in need of a saviour know that you're in need of a saviour trust that Jesus is that That he lived, that he died, and that he rose again. Believe that. Believe it in your heart that he did that for you. And you will be saved. Can I encourage you today that, again, there are people who would love to speak with you and pray for you. And we encourage you to make use of them. God is not finished with you yet. And... Church, can I encourage you once again, do not be deceived, but be aware and walk with God consistently and constantly. Church, let's run the race well. Let me pray. Lord, thank you for your truth. Thank you for the truth of your word. Thank you, God, for the, the access that we have. Lord, thank you for The the testimony that you've given us and the power of that. Thank you for using us, Lord. Thank you for your Holy Spirit who helps us, God, in, in staying away and fleeing from the things we need to flee from and helps us in being an influence for your kingdom. God, would you continue to lead and guide us? Would you continue to make us aware? And Lord, would you help us in light of your kingdom that you would be glorified, through us. It's in your son's holy and precious name we pray. Amen.